Turn off the metronome. Click clack clack clack. That's not a metronome at all. Oh, but is there a? Welcome everybody to the Heavy Metal over Six Pack Podcast. Hello, out there that are watching at home. <laughs> you have Marcus, you have Dave, and you have Anthony from Parts Unknown. <laughs> Parts Unknown. Dude, is the Undertaker there? Uh, Kane is no Undertaker though. Actually, yeah. in all seriousness, I, I think Anthony's closer to Studio B today. Yeah. I'm actually above Studio B, technically. Well, I said closer to Studio B. I didn't say you're in Studio B because I personally can't see you. That's what the episode's no, yeah. for. The listening audience might be able to see you, but I can't see you. Like, this is a blind podcast episode. Tasting. Anthony oh. could be doing something weird on video right now, and we wouldn't even know it. Well, you, you can't see from my ways down, so, I mean, yeah. <laughs> So, this is actually a true story, Anthony. Like, when you told me that uh, you were going to have to call in today, I actually almost dropped beer off to your house because I'm so excited about the beers that we're reviewing. And I also would have waited, but I'm like, no. I don't, it's like, I don't, I don't want to wait. So you can't wait for like, a beer review? Yeah, so, like, we'll do it. Then maybe you can, like, do, like, a little sublet. Yeah. Like, when you, when, you get some, when you get your hands on it, it'll just, you know, just be more shit that we can post. It'll be fun. A little sublet. <laughs> and now Anthony's going to review this beer by himself. <laughs> Three-second video. Tough. Mm. I don't like it. <laughs> it this sucks. sucks. <laughs> this beer sucks. I don't care how far you drove to get it. You think for yourself, sir. Heavy metal headlines. All right, kids. So today, I think we're going to start off with some uh, some metal news, right? Snooze. We're gonna we, we got any beef going on? We got any beef deets, huh? I don't have any feuds. Well, no, no I don't, beef deets. I don't, well, I, have, I don't technically have. This any. is kind of beef. If you want this one, ooh, hit me. So, oh, are we aware of Sugar Ray? <laughs> yeah, uh, he was a great boxer, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, and uh, he. That too. That too. Oh, there's <clears> another one. Uh, so I'll read the headline and you can just kind of figure it out from there. Uh-oh. So a woman hires Sugar Ray's Mark McGrath to break up with her boyfriend via cameo. Oh, yes. I did hear about this. What? <laughs> yep. yep. He just burst oh. in through his wall. Every morning there's a halo. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the Kool-Aid man. Much. Ooh, yeah. Uh-huh. Pretty much. Oh, my God. Sugar Ray's here. Have you ever listened yeah. to the lyrics of that song? They don't make sense at all. It doesn't, like, well, none of it makes Mark sense. Mark McGrath. So, yeah. I don't know what you want. So, um, I'll actually have Marcus put the video up. I'll, I'll put it on the actual video that we do as, as well. Woo-hoo. But, um, so you can actually listen to it. But it, it's just silly. It's <laughs> as silly as you think it would be. I didn't know you could hire people to do that. You'd be surprised what you can hire people to do. Maybe I could hire Meatloaf to put in my two weeks' notice or something. 
I mean, I'm sure you could. I don't think he's touring that much lately. Where are you, what are you putting a uh, two-week notice for? Uh, this podcast that I do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I would do anything we for love, but I won't come to your podcast no more. <laughs> <laughs> but I won't drink beer a lot. That's a lie. Your podcast is not right up my alley. <laughs> right up my something. Um, cool. So what? What happened? You're just gonna post the video there? Was there? Was it like? Was yeah, it like? A, yeah. Was it a destructive video? Did he like? Did he like break down and and cry all over himself, or was he like happy that he met a pretty okay artist? It would look like it would be like one of those like old like '90s VH1 things where it's just like a silly video for something. <laughs> Wait a minute, VH1? What is that? That's a uh, video uh, handling. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh no! Is that like MTV? What does the H? Stand for. What does the M stand for in MTV? Because it's not music anymore. Well, it used to be. <laughs> what does M stand for? Road rules. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Minority. <laughs> like probably accurate. Right? If, we're, uh, if we're being if we're being honest. Uh, ridiculous. What was that other show? It was Road Rules, and what was the other one? They're both those stupid re- stupid reality TV shows. Real World. It was a Real World, right? Yeah. So stupid. Those shows. So stupid in your pop culture. I'm angry. Making millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's where that's where that's Mike, like the, that's like that's the original. Where Mike was that's found. like the original famous person that didn't do anything useful. Yeah, that was like the original Jersey Shore. That's what made Jersey Shore. If that show wasn't around, Jer- Jersey Shore never would have happened. Right. Famous for it's doing T-shirt time. Famous for doing nothing. <laughs> Any hooser, but we digress. Yeah. Yeah, we do. So that's. I feel like that's like more of a thing now. Like you can actually hire celebrities to do video messaging. They must be getting like really poor, like really fast. No, so uh, well, it's, I'm, I'm, it's just the ones who don't actually do anything now. Especially Sugar Ray. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, uh, I talked to someone <clears throat> semi-famous, and they said that they downloaded the app. I can't remember the name of it. I'll I'll post it once I remember it. Uh, but you can. It's like celebrities join this app. And like it's like the official page or whatever, and people will pay you like, hey, can you sing me happy birthday in a turtle suit? I'm like, yeah, I'll do it for two hundred bucks, and they like Venmo you like two hundred dollars, dude. And you I'll just get... send them a video, like, oh hey, yeah, I'll do this. We like, should get, we should get on that. Like, we're basically famous. Yeah, yeah right? pretty much. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, like so, like we'll <laughs> we'll record videos for you. Maybe we can. Maybe we'll, we we'll we'll make we'll we'll, we'll put special. We'll that out we get we get. Char- <laughs> <laughs> I will send you a happy birthday video in a bathtub uh, full of beer. Anthony just made fun of my editing skills. <laughs> <laughs> it was a mild show. It was very subtle. It was a very subtle. It was silky smooth. Subtle jab. Silky silky was, smooth. I, I missed he... it because it was so smooth. Would you like me to replay it? No, no, please okay. don't. Uh, also, uh, I can I can link the. Uh, uh, are you going to talk about that? You gonna, that headline right there? Yeah, we got to talk about this today. Okay. That was going to be my my next talking point. You want to talk about it now? We can. Would you like to start? Sure, I'd love to. So, uh, not fest. <laughs> I notice you don't bring any uh, notes or anything. No, I don't. I, I like to study this stuff like and, steel and get trap into up it. There? Yeah, pretty okay, much. Sweet. So I used to do this uh, party Dave, trick. Speaking of notes, I have your knives in my car. Don't forget. <laughs> I can remember notes, but I put those in the... Wait, you have yeah. what? The, I had to take the, my knife, my pocket knife off before we went to that Static X show. 
Like I always have a knife on me, you know. Like I always. I don't know. Yeah. I, and then the guy, Rachel was in the back seat. She's Shut like, uh, what, what, "What are these?" <laughs> I was like, uh, "Well, I'm a ninja, so, you know." Why do you have a knife with some other guy's initials on him? Uh, why do you? Yeah. Why do you have three knives? Why well, does it say property three, of Iraq? One. Like, ah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that was nothing. It's a souvenir. Uh, I got it from a hobby shop. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about Knotfest. Yeah, so uh, Knotfest in Mexico got uh, got canceled. I don't know if any of you kids saw this. Uh, any of the riffraff that spilled over onto Twitter and any other social media platforms after everything went down. Uh, I never I never understood what the delay was caused by. Do you know what the delay was caused by? I have not found those details yet. So, for whatever reason, Evanescence was opening up. Were they the opening, or were they the mid-card? Or? I believe Evanescence was... I mean, being not fest, I believe Evanescence that was, a, su- was a support act. What doesn't make sense? The Evanescence was there? Damn, was Slipknot. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I don't know. It's... I don't know. It kind of goes back to that story where, like, Volbeat felt out of place when they toured with Slipknot because, like, we're out there, like, doing our thing, and everyone's like, you suck. <laughs> we hate you. The fuck uh, are they going to think about? I mean, God, everybody loves Amy <laughs> Lee, but, I mean, come on. This next song goes out to that one guy tapping his foot right there. <laughs> yeah, you. Do, uh, <laughs> oh, so God, the, reason for the, the reason for the cancellation, it says that they canceled the Nonfest Mexico show after broken barricades <laughs> for safety concerns. Yes, the broken barricades happened though after Evanescence hadn't shown up for what was it? Two hours? Was it two hours? Is that what or it was? Three hours? Uh, they were late. They were delayed. I don't know if there was a tour bus issue or uh, I- I'm not sure. I- I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna speculate. I don't have any deets on that. Uh, I just know they didn't show up. And for whatever reason, yeah. from the sounds of it, a select few uh, people at the venue decided it was a good idea to rush the barricades, rush the stage. Light everything on fire, trash it, uh, cause all kinds of havoc, and make literally the entire performance null and void. <laughs> it, they they were like a, a entire wrecking ball of flame going through that. So, uh, with, with all that done, of course they had to they had to cancel said show, and uh, they canceled the rest of their Mexican tour. Because weren't they going to three? They were going to three or four other places in Mexico for that tour specifically. Um, yes, yes, I believe that that was the actual, yeah, I mean, they, they had to cancel like that leg of it because I don't know, you know, yeah, they had to cancel the other one because well, of the damage. Well, what I found, because uh, they actually got a hold of the stuff, didn't they? Like, yeah. like even like the, like, oh the yeah, actual... yeah, so they burned the entire drummer's kit, like his entire, like, and that I, was a kit I, that, too. yeah, he, cause he's the drummer, he was the drummer from, uh, Black Label Society. That's the one, Black Label Society. So that drum kit had been with him forever and they trashed it, like, all the way trashed it. So he uh, he took to Twitter. Was it Twitter? I think he took to Twitter. He took to one of the social medias. He, he posted videos uh, and had some some choice words for the people that um, that did those things to his kit. Uh, he he prefaced <laughs> he prefaced those choice words by saying, "I don't have any disdain for Mexican people. <laughs> I don't have any problems with Mexico or anybody who lives there." Uh, and then he went on to call a couple names. And what I thought was funny is that if you look at the majority of these headlines, we'll, we'll tag at least one of them so you guys can click and read along or whatever. Um, what I thought was funny, though, was that the, the headline for the majority of these these were that he was making misogynistic comments. Like, oh, this guy's making misogynistic comments to the people of Mexico that trashed his show. And it's like, wait a minute. Like, we're not going to talk about the fact that these people just trashed the venue and, like, Ruined, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for the touring bands and all this other stuff with all the collateral damage that they caused. We're going to focus on the 
on the on the choice words he had when he was angry. Like I get it, but uh, it's it's kind of a a little bit out there. I don't know. I don't know how I, how I could uh, focus on that part of the story rather than the actual details that went into everything. So I mean, there's there's a couple of things like uh, actually about this. Like I mean, the, leading up to like the rioting, there were reports that like fans had to wait five plus hours. Ugh. Like. Now, what I didn't understand was, I mean, were they talking about the fact, because Knotfest is like a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like an all-day thing. There's like 20, 30-something bands that, like, play at this thing. Right. So were, <coughs> was there five hours in be- Like, how would there be five hours in between a set? Like, that's what... Yeah, that's, or that's quite the... Is it, like a, is it like a misunderstanding? Like, was there, like, a stage that, like, didn't open up? For and now, like maybe was the main stage where Slipknot was going to be playing, and everybody else was on like all these like little side things. Uh, so I mean, but the report was that like the rioting actually started, you know, because of, people were just fed up. Yeah. I mean, after five and a half hours, I mean, what the fuck? I mean, I'm a, right. Not that I'm saying I'd riot. And, like, no. Burn. But I mean, if I paid money for a show, I'd, I'd rightfully be pissed, you know. But I've never, I've never heard of a band that well. Granted, I've never really looked into it either, but I've never heard of anyone that's like, oh, you know what, we're just going to show up five hours late and play our set and not tell anyone in the crowd anything about whatever's going on. Like You've never seen Five Finger Death Punch, I was going to say, I know, I know Anthony's got his uh, Five Finger Death Punch issues and money that he never got back. We're, we'll go talk to <clears throat> Ivan, Anthony. Once we get these press passes, we're going to talk to Ivan, yeah. and we're going to get you your look, look, $52 back. Or how much 53. was it? Thank it was you. 53, okay. I was close. See, I have kind of a steel trap memory. Uh, yeah, $53. We'll get it. We'll get it for you, Anthony, I promise. But yeah, I've never heard of any band not talking to the crowd. Like, okay, even in Anthony's situation, they at least gave a totally bogus BS excuse, but at least they said something. Like, I've never heard of, like, if it was just utter silence, like, yeah, I'm sure people would start bashing their heads into the wall and being mad that they paid for a show that they're not able to watch now, but... I don't understand it how get, it does get to the point from like the artist's point of view. It's like at one point, at what point do you have to like say, okay, like I'm not going to be responsible for somebody, getting, especially in freaking Mexico for Christ's sakes. Yeah, right. Like you're, you're not talking about like law and order. Not that the Mexicans are like a third world country by any means, but they just have a different set of rules. Oh yeah. It's just a totally, it's totally look different. At, uh, look at, uh, what's his name from Lamb of God, the Czech Republic. Yep. Yeah. Well, his only mistake he was he went. He, his only mistake was like a mosh pit. Like, may have uh, they accused him of manslaughter, and then he went back. Yeah, right. <clears throat> like years later. Yeah, no, <laughs> they like, oh, were, we remember you. I wonder. I wonder yeah. who got that phone call. Like some guy at the police station, you know, that was like getting dumped on or something, and was trying to save face or something. Like he's about to get canned. And he's like, but wait. Uh, these guys are coming back in town, and if I remember correctly, this guy, uh, this guy has a little bit of an issue here, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Let me just deflect this quickly and get this guy jammed up instead. That's all speculation. Don't, don't quote Dave on that. That's probably imaginary. <laughs> probably never happened. You're quoted. I'm calling the FBI. Oh, no, not again. I'm sorry, a case of, uh, when fan, when, uh, the host isn't listening, did we, did we discuss the Evanescence reaction to this? So, I talked about the drummer, yeah, uh. I, I did not go. Uh, the, so the, the band reaction was, um, and I'll read verbatim, even though we are devastated by the destruction of our instruments and gear, we do not see that the violent end to last night as a representation of our Mexican fans or the Mexican people. 50,000 people were there, and sadly a handful of them turned to anger and violence after the cancellation. You have shown us an incredible amount of love from the very beginning. We will always come back for you. 
Um, fifty thousand people. You know how many how many times in history though have one of one of these festivals where like everybody just like loses their fucking mind? Oh yeah. Well, what was the most popular one there? Uh, Woodstock. There it is. Everybody's going nuts out there. People are like, but Wait, they're, they're, friend? they're also <laughs> they're also charging what like twenty dollars for a bottle of water. Well, and that's stuff, the thing. Like, like, so the the things that are essential to survive, like they make like unreachable for the average fan. And a lot of these, a lot of these times, like you're you're paying a premium ticket for like right. these these huge events to begin with. So right. you know, all these kids are like saving up their allowances, and then like you know they're all running around on fucking Molly and Q. <laughs> Nestle quick. Like, <laughs> like, I'm hopped up on the queue. They're all hopped up on the fucking queue. And it's like, dude, I just need a bottle of water. I'm probably going to die. And they're like, well, if you only got 20 bucks, that will look good for <laughs> well, you. Well, maybe you shouldn't have had as much hash oil, huh? You'll think better next time. <laughs> like, ah. But at, the same, but at the same time, it's like, you know, it's always a bummer. Like when you have, when you do have like that group of people that like they're, it almost seems like they're only there to cause shit. You know what? I'm a mosher. Like I'm a, I'm a, I, I'm, a, I'm a rowdy person. Like when we get to like these things, Dave and, can vouch for that. But I'm not a dangerous person. <laughs> like when I get to these things, tell like, that to the 300 pound dude you shoved me into at Static X. <laughs> shouldn't, have been, shouldn't have been standing there. My bad. Stupid standing stand there out of the pit, and I got shoved into. <laughs> Thanks, Marcus. So yeah, to my point, I'm not a dangerous person. I'm not a dangerous human being, and like I just push you towards dangerous people. I don't, I'm not the dangerous one. You are not making my point at all. <laughs> Whoopsie! My bad. But it's talking. like you know you have like an angry mob. So like the first thing that kind of happened that like started like the riots was a barricade breaks. So then what happens is they're trying to actually fix that barricade, but instead of like everybody being like smart about it, be like, hey. We might fuck up this show right now if we don't like back the f up and let this dude put like a couple chain links on this fence right here. That way we can move on with our days, kind of a thing. And then that just gets like one person pushes back to this person, pushes back to this person, and then these clowns start pushing back forward, not knowing what's going on. Hence, might have been cool to make an announcement. Right. <laughs> well, what I was gonna say is, I wonder. I want. I want. I'm gonna do some more. Uh... I'm going to do some more research on this because I want to find out, like, so Evanescence was not the main event, clearly. Um, At not fest, no. Right. And if there's all these other bands and it's a festival. It's not Essence Fest. Why did nobody else just be like, oh, okay, we're just going to go up. Like, they're just not going to play this show. They'll play the next one. You know what I mean? Like, hey, Evanescence can't make it, but so-and-so is going to be here. But five and a half hours to deliberate, to find out, like. If it just means somebody goes on, like, because if you think about it, Evanescence was going to be on for what, like an hour, maybe? Do an hour set. And you're like, there's well, nobody that was behind them in line that couldn't fall, like, fall in at the, at the right time they were supposed to after they never showed up for that hour set. The statement also did say, also, if we could have fixed the barricade correctly, we would have gone on stage. Um, but Amy, Amy, what's going yeah. on? Come on, Dude, talk you're not, to you're me. Not, you're, not, you're not putting Amy out there unless it's like fucking steel <laughs> trap. Amy, Amy shouldn't have been in Mexico. Yeah, yo, for real. Amy should have been like, like broadcasted. Not that there's anything like, wrong from her home. with Mexico, okay? No, but apparently you're all crazy motherfuckers. Uh, well, yeah, well. You are, the, you are the country that canceled Knotfest. Yes! Yeah, do you know what it takes to cancel Slipknot? We're not, we're not, we're, <laughs> like, we're not talking like Coachella. Here. Not, and you well, think we think with like all the all right, 
now just because of culture, I'm going to mention this, but like Lucha Libres are all about masks and stuff, so it makes sense that Slipknot's huge in Mexico because all they do is wear masks. But if you're going to do all, if you can, if you can scare Slipknot away, then <laughs> I don't know if any of these other bands are going to be able to go down there. Just saying. All those pinatas. The last thing I, the last thing I actually wanted to like talk about, like about like this actually story, and like it kind of, it's, I guess, is like me kind of like making fun of the fan. Um, what kind of fan would really want to destroy that stuff? Right. Like, can you say complete lack of appreciation for anything? Well, like, so I'm gonna get up there and I'm gonna, I'm gonna set on fire a drum kit. So, I'm gonna set on fire this. 50 foot fucking banner oh. that's like hanging from these huge and, ass that metal could structures. fall down and kill everybody behind me. Like, <laughs> like I'm going to find this electrical equipment. I'm just going to blow it up. Like, what kind of fan like walks up to that? And it's like, I put it like hand in hand, like to the fan that would like steal such an object. But like, at least if you steal <clears throat> it, you're trying to like actually take like an artifact with you. I'm yeah. going to fucking destroy this. If I can't have this, none of you ha- can. Yeah. It's like, what is the mindset there? It's like, are you really a fan at that point? Like, right. it's like, do you, right. you, have you thought about what you're doing right now? Like, why are you here? So um, it's like, I'm here to watch the world burn. Uh, <laughs> that's what metal's all about, to watch the world burn. Well, that's cool and all, but like, if you burn down Anthony's drum kit, guess what? The King's Ascendant set is going to happen today. Right. It's like, well, why aren't you guys playing? Well, you burnt down my drum kit. <laughs> it reminds me of that, uh, that that '70s show episode where the the break and give back kids take the tap for the keg, and they like snap it. Oh, and give dude, it back. how come you didn't bring a tap? <laughs> you just broke it. Cause you broke it, dumbass. Oh, who breaks a who, who buys a broken tap? Uh, yeah, exactly. Who who doesn't play their show? You just broke my kit. I've never been in that position where... You just raped my bass player. He was already weird. (laughs) I've never been in that position where uh, I've had to... Or I've, I don't know, gone with the flow with a huge crowd of people and, like, destroyed something. But I will say there are certain times where Dave gets a little bit influenced by certain things, whether it be uh, liquid courage or... uh, other things and stupid things have happened. So that's right. The, Dave uh, started his own mosh pit at the Static X show. Oh yeah, yeah. To- that totally sounds like me. The guy who's never moshed <laughs> at any show in the last like eight years just You're... decided to jump head on into Mister 320 pound, big bearded biker looking, long haired with the blonde girlfriend. That's exactly what I decided to do, Marcus. You're welcome. Like you know what? <laughs> Here's a good idea. Let me just all out hit this guy with my elbows. Because I was standing there with my arms crossed. I don't remember this happening. I don't remember this going down this That's way like, you were at drunk. all. I was not drunk. Anthony? I was not drunk. <laughs> I was I d- definitely not drunk. I did not have drunkard relations with that beer. I did, yeah. <laughs> I did not put my tongue in that beer. Wait, did I drive Did I drive to the show? No. Oh, no I might Anthony have been drunk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just a smidge. We did, we did inhale some Wendy's on the way home. Especially towards the end. Oh, that's right. I only got a Frosty. It was awesome. Oh, your birthday cake. You got frosty. that weird birthday cake Ugh. one. Oh, it's delicious. I, I smashed two burgers that day. Oh, I'm pretty di- proud of myself. We're digressing like something. <laughs> yeah, we are. Any anyway. Other, any other thoughts on Slipknot? Uh, I just think that, look, man, if you're going to be at a festival and Don't people be a- start going crazy and breaking barricades and lighting stuff on fire, be that guy that's like, hey. Why don't we not do this? <laughs> Why don't we leave? Why don't you get a fire extinguisher? Is there any chance I could stay for the show? 
Yeah, for real. Can you guys take this outside? Dude, think about it. Think They're getting way out of control. Think about how many videos there were of this guy's burning drum kit. If you were that one guy with a fire extinguisher that I, tried to save it, you know that that drummer would buy you, like, tickets for life to any one of their shows. Dude, I'd be pissed. If, like, one of the metal gods that came around and, like, somebody started destroying their stuff, I'd, like, punch him in the face. I like. I would equate that. Like, to, like, I, I would. I'd equate that to hitting a woman. It's well, like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, truthfully, this is like the behavior of like small, small venues. You know what I mean? Like when you're in like a dive bar or something, you're doing a show. It's like okay, you kind of expect somebody in the crowd to go crazy and do something and kind of get away with it. But at this level, this stage, and this height, and this festival, there's there's just no. I don't. Know, I feel no like you got more camaraderie at like the smaller shows. Right. Maybe it's just like the uh, like. The, the thing in numbers, like, you're going to have a certain percentage that's going to be a bunch of chuckleheads. I just, I don't understand the, I don't understand. Why what, would you destroy your favorite band's shit? And my question is, how? How did they light the entire, like, that would have taken, Apparently like, the smoking laws are not in uh, place in Mexico. Well, it's like, no, but there had to be, there had to have been an accelerant. Who goes on stage and is like, hey, I'm just going to bring this five gallons of gasoline with me. I'm gonna bring this uh, 151. Yeah, what do you get? Bacardi. Line, what do you get? Line checked. What do you got there? Oh, uh, this is um, <laughs> this is um, jet fuel. <laughs> oh, that doesn't melt steel beams. You go in. I carry a. <laughs> I carry two and a half quarts with me at all times. Sweet. Just ridiculous. What is that guy carrying? Oh, that's the lighter. Like, think about. I, I don't know. Maybe they like took down posters and like he has a lighter. No, like, he is the lighter. I don't, I just don't get it, man. Like. Well, that's like uh, when we went to the last show. Like the guy at the front door, he just looks at us. He's like, "Do you have any knives?" It's like, uh, okay. He looked at you no? guys and said that. Hey, when, when I went through, I had my Gerber pouch, and he's like, "Hey, you got any more knives on you, bud?" I was like, <laughs> "More <laughs> knives?" I was like, "This is empty, bro." What are you Do you have an unacceptable man? level of knive on you? I was like, <laughs> I was like, dude, like, look, it's empty, and I literally showed him an empty pouch, and he's like, "Oh, okay, you're good." You're like, allowed bro. to bring in two switchblades and one Swiss Army. Anything more than that, you leave at the door. But, like, well, I mean, I understand it, too, because, like, oh, you can't go in anywhere unless I see something on you? Okay, what if I tuck it anywhere else that you can't see? You can only see, like, 15% of my body right now from my arms and head. Everything else is covered. Who's to say I, I'm not carrying something crazy in my waistband? Not that I was. But, but. I mean, that guy, like, relied on, like, the honesty system. He's yeah. just like, oh, you got nine? It's like, no. It's like, I right, go in. Hey, that's why that's why I dig Providence, man. We're all in the honor system. Are you a bad person? No. Yeah, not yet. Well, th that was crazy. Like I went <laughs> not, in there with, a, with an empty Gerber pouch, but I went in with a sealed Poland Spring water bottle. She's like, you can't, you can't have that in there. So I threw it away, and she's like, oh, I just meant like you could drink it right now or leave it out here. I just I was brought like, well, in the uh, gun show. I was like, well, why didn't you say that from the get go? Like, <laughs> I wouldn't have thrown away my perfectly good twenty-five cent water bottle. Sir, you can't bring right. that open beer in here. You need to chug that before you come in here. Oh, that would have been a given anyway. I'll get the funnel. But then even the dude, I don't know, man, we're digressing. But uh, I think that you know, Evanescence should definitely give it another go in Mexico. I feel like they kind of have to show face at this point. Like they have to, like they have to. I don't bounce back from this. I don't. I don't. Other than not knowing what the five and a half hour or like the speculated five and a half hour delay was, other than not knowing those details, how can you possibly blame the artist for this? Right. I feel like they were the middleman because, and and that's, but that's what I've always said. If you look at any of these production companies and any of these labels and everything, like they're they get to stand behind the band at all times, at all <laughs> times. Like, hey, you're gonna go out there. Uh, 
six nights a week for the next four weeks in tour, and you're going to sing your heart out and play and make money, and I get half of all that money. No. Silent. They, no, they don't get to deal with any of it. And if, then you put the band out there, and if the producers or anybody else screwed up, now it's the band's fault and problem because now the fans are reacting to them and burning all their shit. No, so. obviously props to them because there was 50,000 people there. So, I mean, if you figure, like, 98% of them were probably actually decent people and actually wanted to, like, watch the music. If you want to make it up to those people, I mean, that's great. Hey, throw a show. We'll honor these ticket stubs, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Right. Like, everyone's all fine and dandy. Holy shit. Bro, I told you I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, I don't know if you can hear the bottle caps like flying over the uh, the phone speaker, but there's a uh, one, two, a three, a four bottle caps so far, and one of them is Marcus's insanity. But I forgot what I was saying. Oh yeah, so the makeup show—if they want to do it for like the good fans, that's fine. But like, as far as like being pissed at the bands for this, I'm not pissed at the bands for this. It's like no, why? If you're you're, you're gonna get your shit burned down with the, I mean, <coughs> I, I know fire and pyrotechnics are cool, but not when it's burning you. Well, <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I do ask not. James Hetfield. Oh yeah, right. I do not. I do not back up any one of those fans who participated in bashing and destroying the set or burning anything. I like there's there's no excuse for any of that. Yep. However, Caliprong of the penis. However, I do that's totally irrelevant and stop looking up my videos. Uh, however, I think <laughs> I think that I like anytime something like this happens, I try to stand back and take an objective standpoint and like be like, okay, well, why was the band taking five hours to get there? And was it the production crew's fault? Was it the label's fault? Was it the venue's fault? Was it the band's fault? Like, what can we do better for next time? Because <clears throat> that's the only kind of problem. That's the only kind of stuff you can do to, to get this problem solved for next time. Like, Knotfest is never going to happen again unless they correct these issues. So we need to know who's at fault. We need to know what happened and why. And then correct it next time and make sure... Nobody loses hundreds of thousands of dollars because all those shows they canceled, you know, those, well, and well, who knows? Maybe all those people that bought tickets had already paid for all those tickets for that tour, and then they just cancel it and take their money and run, which sucks even more and pisses even more people off. So either way, objectively, we need to look at who's at fault, not to point fingers and to play the blame game, but just to figure out how we can do better. How does... How does this venue, how does this band, how do, how do all these people together, how do they all do better to make sure this never happens again? Because if anybody had died from that, or if anybody had gotten injured slightly, it would have been a major lawsuit. Huge. I don't know what the Mexican mm -hmm. laws are down there, but I can guarantee you somebody would be hitting up some band somewhere, some label, like, hey, uh, you know that drum kit that I lit on fire because you pissed me off? Well, it burned all my hair off, and I'm dead, so now my family's suing you. Like, <laughs> what the hell? Like, how is this possible? Like... But it could have it could have been a, a whole hell of a lot more liability. I'm super glad that it wasn't. Um, I just we got to do better, guys. All, all all shows, rock shows, metal shows, any show, it you have to do better than this. And if you're a fan going to these shows, you have to do better than this. You are not allowed to rush the stage and light things on fire and steal things and ruin it for everybody else because probably what maybe like two or three hundred people could have fit on that stage to wreck it, and that leaves. I don't know, 49,700 other people who didn't do that, and that sucks. I feel like the good people outnumber the bad people. We could have taken care of this. Well, it's like even when you say, like, oh, all the good people will honor your stubs. Like, how do you know which ones are which? Honor system. We'll have, your oh, show has been moved to Providence. We'll, we'll have the knife guy at the Providence show show up down there and be like, hey, 
Were you part of thrashing the stage? No. Oh, okay. Come in. Hey, were you part of wrecking the stage? Like, I feel like I'd be one, I'd be that one testy jerk. They'd be like, yeah. <laughs> like, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> and then get slapped with a lawsuit and probably spend the rest of my life in Mexican prison. But still. Anthony, so you have another story for us? I do. Let's do it. So, uh, kiss the band. Not the, <laughs> right. not the physical action. Kiss my Anthea. Robots, um, no? They had to cancel their New Zealand and Australia tour. Ah, oh, the New Zealanders um, burned their stage because, too? Because uh, Mr. Paul Stanley has the flu. Ooh. But, um, so Gene Simmons, Tommy Thayer, and Eric Singer hopped aboard a boat for a concert billed as Kiss. Um, playing for, any guesses? Uh, New Zealanders and Australians. Close. <laughs> uh, great White Sharks. Oh, man. Oh. Not the band, right? Haven't we talked about this? No, no. Like we talked the about actual, this before. Like, amphibian. They're playing for sharks. So the concert was an Airbnb tourism promotion, and the experts hoped that the low-frequency sounds of rock and roll would draw the sharks to the area, where a few lucky fans on glass-bottom boats we're ready to get an up close and personal look, but unfortunately, <laughs> the sharks did not show up. Even sharks don't like Kiss. That's that right. So yeah, <laughs> might be <laughs> might be one of the dumbest stories in the history of the world. Yeah, I know. Like, We're gonna perform for a tank of sharks. This is why the aliens won't talk to us. Okay. Thanks, so, Gene. So I mean, it's so, possible it's Europe, since Paul Stanley wasn't there. Maybe that's why the sharks didn't show up. That's my guess. I yeah, don't know. I mean, if Paul's not going to be there. What's the point? But I meant, I mean, I guess I got a video. I'll have Marcus post it as well. But I guess, like, like it was legit. Like, they were tight. It was loud. There were lights. There were smoke machines. Well, that's probably why the sharks didn't show up, because it was loud. Probably loud as... There's smoke. Like, <laughs> bro, if I was a shark swimming, like, oh, hey, I could eat a seal today, maybe a school of fish. Like, what the fuck is that explosion? I'm not going over there. Like, <laughs> Have you ever thrown, like, a rock into, like, a lake? All the fish are like, nope. Yeah, so exactly. like my name is yeah, Gene Simmons, not. and we are going out in sonar. Yeah, for the sharks. It's like if if anything is uh you know thrashing on the surface, then maybe I'll I'll get attracted. You know, if they were smart, they would have just poured blood in the water and then done it and thrown like chum around them or something and then played. That would have easily brought in sharks and every other mammal. Note, but like other than being a publicity stunt, though, like what's it? What's even the point? Right. I don't get it. Like, no, no. And I feel like their makeup. I, mean, I feel like their makeup just was, is sweat. It's as sweatproof as it is. Would not be waterproof. Uh, it's pretty silly looking. Like even when you watch the video, it just looks like a bunch of drunk guys on a boat. Well, in face paint. Stupid drunk people. Anyone who drinks is an idiot. Yeah, I, just, I mean that's that's just common sense. But especially beer. Uh... <laughs> I, I haven't seen said video. Uh, truthfully, I, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I don't even know any Kiss songs. Like, if I heard them, I wouldn't know it was Kiss. You don't know Detroit Rock City? <laughs> probably not. I probably heard it, but I probably don't know that it's Kiss. That's fair. Like, I've probably heard their music. I just, I've never, like, looked them up or, like, tried to go to a show of theirs. I don't know. 
I feel like you're missing out on like a bunch of really cool movies. I feel like I'm not because I saw Role Models and they talk about how uh, Kiss is awesome because it's oh. a whole bunch of Jews and rock music. This is Love Gun, man. It's about his Paul Stanley's dick. <laughs> That's the Love yeah, Gun. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, don't, um, I don't find... There was another... Shit. I, I can't think of the name of it. It was um, like three high school level friends like ditch school and try... And try um, going to Detroit because like Kiss was gonna play and they didn't have tickets and they tried winning them on the radio but they had to be over eighteen and blah blah blah. Oh fuck! What's that movie called? That's gonna bother me. Now. Airheads. No, no. That's Role different. models. Role models. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Glad I'll, me and Anthony are on the same page. I'll, I'll, blo- I'll, <laughs> I'll blog about it. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. But you're missing I'm, out on some good movies, man. Well, yeah. Once you once Paul you, Blart, Mall Cop, he plays Detroit Rock City on the freaking never, guitar. Ah, okay, here. here's the thing about Kevin James. Okay, uh, okay. King of, right, I didn't mean to get you. I didn't mean to get you excited. King of Queens, cool. Got it. Uh, I was in a movie with Kevin James, and I did not like it. I was in Grown Ups too, and I think that movie, even though I was in it, was one of the most. I remember you were in that. I forget about that. One of the most <laughs> difficult movies I've ever had to watch. I'm not gonna lie. Sorry, Adam. <laughs> Sorry, David. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. The first though. one was good. The second one was right. meh. Exactly. And the I first was like the Stone one. Cold was in it. That was the only thing I, I don't even. Th- I don't even think the first one's good. The first one, compared to the second one, the first one is a freaking okay. masterpiece. Compared to the second one, I mean, like, just give him the Oscar. Well, at that point, I feel like, uh, man, I'm going to digress something fierce. But uh, I have nothing against Kevin James, but that movie is just that kind of, that kind of, like, stupid humor. It's just not my thing. I can't, I can't do it. And from the get-go, it looks like, you know, I mean, come on, it's a, it's a mall cop pulling a, a diehard. It's not, it's not, not legit at all. I can't get into that. Sorry. So, no, uh, maybe I need to do more, more research on KISS. Maybe I need to watch some music videos or uh, maybe some live performances. I wouldn't hold against you if you didn't. Okay, well, well, now just for my own homework research purposes as a good... Detroit Heavy Rock metal over a six-pack journalist, I'm going to do that. Detroit Rock City is actually pretty good. Huh. Well, you know what else comes from Detroit? Uh, Eight Mile? Eminem, yes. What else? Come on. The Motor City Madman. Ted Nugent. Lions. <laughs> yeah, the Lions. Yeah, one of the oldest teams in the NFL to not even make a Super Bowl in like 60 years. Ever. I think I've heard this. Of course you have. Everybody has. I'm sure I've heard it, but I just didn't know it was Kiss. Like, well, I don't. Hey, there you go. This is Detroit Rock City. Okay. Well, hey guys, I'm listening to Kiss now, and you don't know you're gay. Wait a minute. <laughs> Hang on. So was this a thing back in the day? Because he sounds like he's trying to sing like Ozzy. I think it's just how he sounds. Maybe I feel like everyone was trying to sound the same back then. Maybe no offense, Ozzy. Love you. Great stuff. I feel Post like it was Malone. like a style. There might have been a style yeah, back then, right? Where everybody was just like singing with their head voice, and nobody was like singing with their chest. I can't believe you never had a lunchbox, man. Uh, well, I don't have a Kiss lunchbox, but that's because uh, I was going to say something offensive. Ready, <laughs> <laughs> Anthony? You got any more news stories, bud? Uh, no news stories, but I have a little something extra at the end. Ooh, little something at the end. Something extra at the end. <laughs> okay, just send it to me on Messenger first so we can clear it, and then uh, then I'll give you the down low as to whether or not it's cool. All right, so what are we doing? Are we doing discussion topic next? Uh, 
We can. Uh, let me find this. What are you finding? I'm just wondering, should I like pause everything that way? No, I, have breaks, I was, or? I was, we wanted, I wanted to talk about this because I know. Edit, well, edit, edit. Anthony. Edit. <laughs> yes. Are, are you talking about something that rhymes with fight the porch? Jesus. Uh, fight the porch. No. Okay. Oh, light the torch. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I'm like, hey, I love this game. <laughs> uh, so kill switch engage announced that they are adding light the torch, uh, featuring Howard Jones, uh, ex kill switch engage singer to the tour. So I know they, um, they just released that song, the signal fire with Jesse Leach and Howard, uh, on, on the vocals for that track. That's an awesome track. If you haven't heard it yet, please go check it out. We will link it just in case you haven't. Uh, I thought that was an awesome addition to the to the tour because aside from Killswitch, uh, Light the Torch has put out some great stuff too. And since the split with Howard, um, obviously they've gone back to Jesse, but I think they're going to come up with a really cool way to put on shows throughout that tour where they're combining on all of those classic songs that we love so much. Now, I'm actually kind of glad you brought this up because like, the question mm-hmm. I would propose for this is... One, I mean, one, it's a cool addition to the tour. I was already excited about it because it's Killswitch Engage and their main right. support is August Burns Red, which right. is my binky. And <laughs> I'm like, wow, okay, I can go to that. I believe it's that House of Blues in Boston when it comes to like our area. Yeah. So that's that's cool. Good venue. That's a small venue, too. It's, no, it's, a, not, it's not small, small. It's not but small, it's like, but it's not huge. Right. Which it's I like. like a, that's Plus, the perfect venue. I can for get completely hammered like around that whole street, <laughs> like the whole time. Like I can make that's one what's of, important. I can kids. make one of you two drive. And then if you thought Static X was violent. I'm not going to lie, bro. If you push me at the Kill Switch Engage show, you might come back with a black eye. Oh, you're one, you're one of those Is moshers. <laughs> no, I'm one of those that doesn't mosh. Ever. So why would you punch me in the face for a Because if you're going to hit me, I'm going to take it as, a, as an act of chivalry. Well, then just stay away from me when yeah. Whitewash plays yeah. from August Burns Red, okay? <laughs> That's all I'm asking, because I'm going to go... <laughs> like, I'm but, a... um, so it's a cool addition. I, I are the bands I mean obviously the bands are like in good standing because they're starting to do like do stuff together and I like the possibility now because now they can actually legit play Signal Fire live because you'll have both of them in right. like support kind of a thing. Well, but how does Howard really feel about being the opening act to the Kill Switch? Well, do you know tour? do you know the story of the split? Ish, kind of, sort of. So Howard split from the band because he got diagnosed with diabetes and he didn't really know how to handle it. He had to go through a whole bunch of lifestyle changes and he was like I need to step back. Okay. But Killswitch had already announced a whole bunch of tours, and they're like, well, we have an option. We can either cancel the tours that people have already paid for that we already announced. All right, or- so they're, fr- they're friendly. But even still, I mean, like, because he's been coming up with, like, like he had the um, the Devil You Devil Know. Devil You Know, and I they mean, got sued and whatever. They had to change their name and all right, that. Right, so that became Light the Torch. So it's not like he's not out there, like, trying to tour. But now, like, he's, like, the small guy. No, but, versus- uh, but I don't think it's ever been about that for Howard. I think, look, if you listen to any of Howard's projects, you can tell that he puts his heart and soul into that. He's a very talented musician anyway, a very talented vocalist. Some of his, yeah, well. all, the, all the stuff he's done with Kill... Oh, so like, Maybe my <laughs> negative thinking mind frame was just thinking about it in a negative, well, negative Nancy. Well, no, I think, I, think, I think the issue is that you know, they bring Jesse Leach back, and that's a big transition for everybody anyway. It's Im- he knows it's impossible to fill Howard's shoes, literally impossible. And he's even said that in interviews, and he's like, look... People tell me all the time, oh, Howard's better. No, I'm better. No, he's better. He's like, I don't care. He's like, I'm here back with the band doing my thing. He's like, I'm healthy. I'm not into into any of the partying crap that he was into before. 
he said that he's uh he's he's singing and screaming more healthily now jesse is he's like he he did all this practice and whatever he got back with the band there's never been any hard feelings or bad blood between them there never has been with howard howard did the devil you know thing they got kind of stunted uh because of all that legal bs he came back from that made light the torch but if you think about it light the torch has not had the push that kill switch had kill switch caught the wave and that's one of the hardest things to do in this industry is catch that wave and they they did that with Howard at the forefront. They, I mean, they had, uh, who was it? My Last Serenade was the biggest hit they had before Howard. And that song was pretty good, even with Jesse. I'm not even going to lie. I still listen to it, even with Jesse. I think Howard does it better, but I think they both have their own strengths and weaknesses. I personally have nothing against Jesse. I love Howard. I love Kill Switch Engage, and that's where it ends. If they're going to have Jesse at the front, great. If they're going to have Howard at the front, great. I'll listen and go to any one of their shows regardless. That's great. It's a pretty cool tour, though. Well, Adam, Adam rips on the guitar, dude, and he's like six five. I would just love to see. <laughs> and he's pretty, he's pretty comical. A six five dude he's in a, a Viking he's helmet, a, a Viking helmet, never. and Daisy Dukes with like a guitar that looks like three sizes too small. Like, there's two things that I love about that man. One, I saw the video where he actually walks up to the bar while playing, orders a shot. Yes. And like, oh wait a minute, this is my part. Then turns, takes a shot. High fives like some girl that's sitting at the bar. It's like yeah. pretty cool, huh? And then like walks back to the stage. And then the second one was the day that we saw him at the Revolution Rock Fest, where they had like the sound thing was like splitting the crowd into like two. Yeah. Going in the soundboard, and he said, "I want to see two circle mosh pits. I just want to see two big titties." <laughs> <laughs> he just says the most random stuff. It was pretty funny. Huh? <clears throat> and then he stopped the show because he thought somebody like fell over and got injured. He's like, whoa, 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 somebody's hurt, somebody. It was actually right in front of where me and Anthony were, like, standing. <laughs> somebody got hurt, somebody hurt. He's like, you cool? You cool? Okay, they're cool. Now what do we do? do How we many like, fingers am I holding up? Do we, like, start the song over? Or, no. <laughs> like, and I think Jesse's like, no, we'll just go to the next one. He's like, all right. <laughs> Adam's the man. See, you got to listen to Adam because they, okay, they're bold enough to give Adam a microphone. So, like, all the little things he says, like, what was it, Warp Tour, where they did a Well, mic- so often he gets up there, he goes, like, ooh. Yeah, well, there's that, that the video of Warp Tour where they did My Curse live. And when it got to the breakdown part, he's like, everybody clap. I promise I won't tell your mom. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, he says the most random stuff, man. It's awesome. I love Kill Switch. I think adding Light the Torch to this tour is awesome. I think uh, this is a great move going forward because now the rest of Kill Switch tours. Here's the thing. As a fan... Well, if you're a purist fan like I am for Killswitch, you want to see Killswitch do good as they are now, and you want to see Howard do good as well. The fact that they're both touring together, hopefully this is a sign of things to come, and hopefully they're on the same exact ticket for the rest of their shows. That would be awesome. Nothing but respect for both bands. Main event discussion? Main event discussion. Let's hit it. All right. I'm going to put some pauses here. Heavy opinions. Oh, man, I drank way too much. Main right, so, event time, kids. So a, uh, there, there was an article that came up that, um, what the fuck's that noise? Are you hearing something? I don't have, I don't hear anything. All I hear is Punisher t-shirt. <laughs> uh, you can't hear that. That doesn't make sense. No, no, no. There's a rumbling somewhere. A rumbling somewhere? Is it your stomach? Why'd you unplug my headphones? That's rude. Oh, nice. Get down. 
It was that? Still is. I don't hear any. What are you hearing right now? You don't hear that in the background? It's because you got, you got them wait, beats. Wait. wait for it. Wait for it. Hold on. A little bit of staticky? Yeah, that. So, why don't you twist it? <laughs> I'm going to throw up. <laughs> I think it's because there's video now. If I hold it, there's no issue. Okay, no. yeah, there is. <laughs> well, I don't like it. Are we recording that? Uh, we've been recording this whole time, unfortunately. Yeah, but we're recording this. Dave. <laughs> I don't know, man. Oh, sweet Jesus. That's not my name. It used to be my uh, stage name, though. Now we're Jesus. Just check your, your mic cable just to make sure. Check it how? What do you, uh, yeah, it's a cable. Like, <laughs> Does this disconnect? I don't want to break it. How does this work? No, you're fine. You're what fine. what is alone. this technology we speak of? It's definitely this cable. Whoa, found the culprit. Uh, still a little bit there, but it sounds better. We're good now. We're good now, Anthony. Right, regardless. Right. I, can't, I can't put him right side up because the, the wire's in the way. It doesn't matter. We didn't even need to see him to begin with. Like, I know what Anthony looks like. Yeah, but we feel like we're having an actual conversation. Well, then point him directly at you. That way you guys can make glorious eye contact. And then he doesn't have to look at my right arm. Glorious eye contact. But I like oh, it, it, it fell. <laughs> oh god I hit a button Man I'm sorry You know 80 something episodes into this I feel like we wouldn't suck at this anymore Yeah well joke's on you Cause I still do <laughs> Hi bud Did you miss me? Alright so we have a uh, For tonight's a bit. Main event topic We actually have a A little bit of a discussion point Whoop. And uh You know I'll set the stage And then Dave will rant away and Oh will he? Well, I hope so, because that's like kind of the whole point of having a podcast. I didn't bring any notes with me, so... Uh... Well, that's fine. This is, this is gonna be, um... So, uh, Bring Me the Horizons, Ollie, uh, Ollie Sykes made a, had an interesting interview that he said. And um, I'll read a little bit of this verbatim, but like the, uh, the headline of the article is, Bring Me the Horizons Say They Might Never Release Another Album. Um... So, Bring Me the Horizon has opened up about their future plans. Uh, earlier this year, they put out that abomination of a Bring Me the Horizon album, as far as I'm concerned. I never heard it. I should uh, probably look into it. You might like it. The Horizon was like not it. brought. I've never been a Bring Me the Horizon fan, to be honest. I'd... Um, I, I don't have time. So, uh, <laughs> if, you're, if you're holding out for another new album, the band have some, may have some bad news for you, because revealing they may never again choose to release music in such a manner choosing instead to experiment with other methods instead. Speaking to NME about the release of Ludens, frontman Ollie Sykes explained that the new single is the first taster of their next phase, but denounced the notion of ever releasing an album again. Uh, Sykes explained, We've got plans, definitely. Ludens will be the first song you hear from the new record. We're not going to do an... But we're not going to do an album ever again, maybe... Or we're not going to do an album again, maybe ever. We're thinking about doing shorter records. I don't want to say we're going to do something and not live up to it, but the plan is to release multiple records next year. Um, he says um, he goes on to say, "I'm really proud of Ammo, but it was such a fucking bol I don't even know how to pronounce this. Balash, B-A-L-L-A-C-H-E. Oh, Balik. It was such a fucking Balik to make. <laughs> Balash. Well, they put it as one word. They put it as one fucking word. Okay, that's not my fault. It was such a Balik. <laughs> Can we, can we make a t-shirt that says Balash? <laughs> so, 
Let me start over. I'm really proud of Ammo, but it was such a fucking ball ache to make it continue. We spent a whole fucking year of our lives making that record. Part of me was like, for what? We're never going to get to play all of those songs. Um, y'all says we, you have to ration your, your creativity over all of your songs. You write a really cool pop song, then you have to write a heavy song to balance out, then you need to think about singles. Yeah. So... I wanted to bring this up today, and like what I was kind of calling this was like call it. I was gonna call this single versus EP versus album, because like the trend, especially over the like the last couple of years, has been, and especially like the last few months, like being a having a subscription to the um, satellite radio. These bands are just regurgitating single after single after single. Yeah. Like this stuff is coming out of nowhere. Yep. And there's like nothing attached to it kind of a thing. And then like I actually ran up um ran into a Sykes article or Sykes interview here. He makes some interesting points. And the 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 interesting points that I'll throw out there are it's like okay, so if you feel committed that you have to make an album, you now have to write 10 songs that don't suck. But to like kind of like his thing. It's like, okay, so if I do a soft one, now I have to like balance this with a heavy one. That way I don't piss off all of our heavy fans. Yeah. If I or maybe you have like a good idea here, but you don't want to blow all of your good ideas on this one tune because you know what? Maybe we gotta spread some of these good ideas out. Maybe we can split this into two mediocre songs versus one like really good song. There's some interesting points to it, but there's also I mean, other than the industry driving this kind of a thing, because it's my the scary thought is is like that this is kind of like the culture now where like everybody needs to be re if you're not producing something you're not relevant anymore right so you either have to be a dinosaur from like 40 years ago that's going to do another reunion tour or you have to come up with like a single every single week that way you can be relevant in whatever new polls that are out there kind of a thing and so, I mean, I'm, I'm knocking off all kinds of bullet points at, like, the same time here. But what I don't like is I don't like the whole, it's like, oh, well, you know, he spent, like, a fucking year working on this album. It's like, well, don't be a lazy douche. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> no, I think I think there's definitely good points there. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to dive in deep on this. Uh, but I think that the music industry overall, so for the last, let's say, 30 years, the, the music industry has kind of showed us their hand. They've kind of showed us, like, hey, this is what you need to do to be successful, right? Like, uh, local bands started getting signed back in the 80s and the 90s when stuff was blowing up because they had a good musical product, right? And how do you know they have a good musical product? Because they have a good turnout. And how do we enhance that turnout? Well, we start putting the word out. We start getting them out there. So music labels started getting in real early and kind of controlling the market, if you will. Uh, what we saw in the 80s and 90s was full albums, you know, we'd see full albums, but the difference is that that age of technology shift happened, let's say, what was it, mid to early 2000s, yes? Would we agree on that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, in the 80s and 90s, when stuff was really kicking off with like, especially with metal music, that was like the, that was like the... Rock and metal was, like, the biggest it was, like, well, compared to all the other genres for the longest time. Everybody was putting out an album. And then what people were doing is, you know, these radio stations and all these other people or whoever these producers were were deciding, hey, 
this is the best song from this entire album, or here's the best couple songs from this entire album. And as we went along, it just kind of got to the point where it was like, hey, this is the this is the single from the album. Like the single happened. Like the single didn't used to exist. Like record mm-hmm. companies made this happen. They they created this thing called the single. Um, and once people kind of got caught up in that, it was like, it was kind of weird because you'd be like, oh, okay, like, oh, yeah, I've heard that song. That song's on the radio all the time. And then, but if but if that song never reached, like, platinum status, but that was their single for the album, then it was like, oh, the whole album's crap. Because this one song didn't do as well as we thought. So it's like, we just put out a 12 to 15 song album, and you picked one out of those 12 to 15, because you're the producer, you're the label, you're the whatever, and... Because of the one that you picked, the entire album flopped because you did not pick our best song. Like that, that's totally, totally doable. That is totally a scenario that absolutely could have happened. Because you have these bands that, once you get signed, truthfully, you probably don't have much say, unless you're a huge band already. You don't really have much say in what your single is. And if you put something out and the label doesn't like it, oh, we're not going to do that. Like, like we said about the corn thing, you know? Think about how many, how many, what, they had to convince their producer or whoever to to go buy them drugs to play a song while they were high. Like, they had to do that because I'm sure if they didn't, then the producer would be like, oh, I don't like how that sounds. And so these labels started developing all this control, and they, they started putting out what the product was. Uh, lead singer of Smashing Pumpkins, uh, what's his name, Billy, right? Uh, Corgan. Billy Corgan. Billy Corgan. That's what, I could not think of his last name. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, he said how labels, when he thought it was, when, when he first came into the scene, it was a shock to him that these labels and these producers and these higher-ups and these CEOs kept on calling his music the product every time they talked to him. Well, well, who makes the product? And it's like, that's all they care about. That's all it is. Your music is literally just a product for them to sell and make money off of. And a lot of people weren't totally on board with that. So now you have these bands in a position where, hey, we're going to sign a record deal. And everyone's like, oh, they signed a record deal. They made it. No, a record deal means they made it to the next step of homework. Because now everything that you've done in your independent career leading up to this, oh, I signed, think about uh, Slipknot. Slipknot signed what? With, with Roadrunner? They signed a seven-album a seven record deal, right? Or something insane. It was like a quarter million dollars and, and seven albums. Uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. We can look this up. I'll, I'll post links or whatever. I'm I'm 90% sure that's what it was. And you think about that. Like, how much pressure is now on the band to create these seven albums? And what kind of quality do you think you're going to get out of that? Right? Half a million for a seven-album record deal. Yeah, I was close. But it was... It, this is this is the this is where the the higher ups and the CEOs and the the labels and everybody are controlling this market now. They're telling you what they expect from you, and you're the one putting out the product. So, what I have issues with is that instead of signing a band, these labels and backing a band, and being like, "Hey, we love what you're doing. Uh, we love the angle that you're going for. We love your music. Uh, you did this in your own time. That was awesome. Like, we want to sign you, and we want you to just keep doing this." Instead of that, they're putting everything on a timeline. Hey, uh, inside of the next eight years, you have to give me seven albums. And if you don't, then I'm going to drop you from this label. So now they're going to control your money flow. And if you don't produce and still perform everywhere you have to perform that they sign you up for, it just turns into this giant snowball effect. 
That's all it is. So I don't totally hold it against bands for wanting to take a step back and focus on EPs or even concept albums if it's four, five, six songs. That actually, in today's day and age, makes sense. Because you could put something out there like, hey, this is a concept album, and here's the concept, and that will bring people in. If you have legitimate fans, they're going to look into it. If you look at, uh, this is more predominantly in like country music, but uh, who is it, Blake? Blake Shelton? He, he will not put out another album. He said, I'm only going to put out singles from here on out. And you think about how many albums are on the shelf for all these different record labels and that'll never see the light of day because the label says they're not good enough. Well, who are they to judge? The fans are the ones that make these bands. Let's be serious. If, if bands did not have fans, they wouldn't have labels. Correct? Am I wrong? Am I a jerk for thinking that? I mean, you're a jerk, but not for this reason. Exactly. So <laughs> if, if the bands did not themselves have fans, then they wouldn't have a record label. The record label would not sign them. But then it's like these record labels step in and are like, oh, here's... We're going to give you these impossible circumstances uh, based on our cookie-cutter concept that somebody one time, maybe like a century ago, had success with, and that's what we're going to base all of our future success off of. We're going to invest everything in you to do this, so you better give me eight albums in four years. It's the same thing like I talked about a couple episodes ago with Jared Leto. Jared Leto, had the, uh, 30 Seconds to Mars, signed what? It was like a three or four, four album contract, and they did two, and they're like, we're done. Like this is what you're gonna get. We're not doing any more. What's your uh, What's your thought on the point where um, he actually makes where he says um, it's like What's the point of actually making a record? You were never gonna get to play all of those songs. Well, that's my so, so my issue. Well, sorry, my thought on that point is he's exactly correct. These record labels have not shifted from these '80s and '90s standpoint and mentality. We're in the age of technology now, where we are a click away from hearing somebody's new music. Whether they released it intentionally or not, think about that. Think about how many how many different musical artist stuff has been leaked over the last couple years, because we're in the age of technology now, right? We hear about all this stuff from from big time people like Eminem or or all, who and any kind of genre. I guarantee you, you can find a leaked video somewhere where the music came out before they intended to, because this is the age of technology. Now, with the age of technology, so maybe I maybe I misinterpret this a different way because like I. So, like, a lot of, like, major concerts and, like, whatnot, I mean, your average set list is, like, anywhere between, like, 25 to 35 minutes if you're, like, an opening act. Right. Uh, maybe an hour if you're a support act. Right. Or, and, you know, probably just over an hour if you're, like, the, ma the main act right now. So, if you're actually, like, a band that has three, four, five releases, so you're not supposed to create music unless you're going to be able to play it live? No, that's not necessarily. But here's, here's the deal. So, when bands put out music, they're putting out feelers. Hey, this is my product. This right. is what I like. This is what we like to do. Do you guys like this too? And based on the number of buys and listens on each individual song now, now we can see the individual stats. We couldn't see that back in the 80s. Back in the 80s and 90s, you had to buy the whole album to listen to all of it. Mm -hmm. You had to. We don't have to do that anymore. The whole idea of a record these days is null and void. No one needs records. Nobody's buying vinyl unless they want to. And there's a select few people. Vinyl just recently outsold CDs because nobody's sold CDs in like the last 10 years because it's the age of technology. Nobody needs to. Why should I buy that entire album if I just like the song I heard on the radio? And the two songs I heard on the radio. And from a consumer standpoint, that actually makes sense. But from a label standpoint... That's their version of keeping control on the artist and keeping control on the market or trying to 
Because truth be told, you look at the last 20 years of labels, all the money's slipping out the door. And they're grasping at anything and everything to keep their money flow in. There's really not a whole lot keeping labels down. You look at Chance the Rapper. Chance the Rapper made his own contract with his record label. And he has like a, a, a crazy like once-in-a-lifetime record deal that nobody's ever gotten before. He gets all of his own money. He gets all of his own merchandise, like all this crazy stuff. And it's because he negotiated with the record label. He called their bluff. Hey, guess what? I know that you guys aren't making as much money as you want to. So if you want me to make you money, here's how I'm going to market myself. And that's how bands have to approach it now. It is no longer you're going to get signed to a record label and immediately make it. Think about how many people we know right now that are signed to record labels that are still huffing these shows. You know, Mm -hmm. they're still going through the hard way because these labels, unfortunately, do not know how to keep up with the times in this age of technology. And I'm not bashing anybody. I'm just saying there's a shift. There's a shift in the market. Nobody's going to buy a CD anymore. Nobody's going to buy a vinyl anymore. I, I could go, like, you could never get signed in the history of the world. You could have a band that would never get signed. But if you put out content and I liked it, I'd subscribe to your YouTube channel and I'd download that and listen to it all the time. It'd be a click away. I could be driving in my car. I could put on the YouTube app and just hit play and hit playlist and be good. That'd be it. Record labels were not prepared for this shift. They were not prepared for the internet. And you see all these bands that struggled and stuff, and, and now band people and bands and artists are getting even less money because these record labels want even more of it to make up for everything they lost. You think about how many of these mm-hmm. record labels are buying all the front row tickets to all these shows and selling them to themselves and then taking the ticket profit from the artist. It's like, oh, well, you signed the contract. That's what we do. It's like, well, that's bogus. <laughs> Like, if I'm the one putting the butts in the seats to make the tickets, then I should get some of that money. But because these records, like, I feel like it's it's a little bit of ignorance these days. Look, I'm not saying I have the exact uh, format or solution or equation to how this all works out where everybody gets what they want. What I will say is that all these labels now in today's day and age are behind the eight ball because now they have to produce something. If they're not producing something, that label is done. There's nothing they can do about it. If they cannot keep up and morph and evolve and, and evolve with with the times and with how things are shifting and changing and sign real talent, then there's no way they can keep up. And it sucks because today you could go on YouTube, and you could have some crappy garage band, and you could buy 10 million likes if your dad has money, and you'll have a whole bunch of traffic to your video, but the product will suck. Unfortunately, somebody might sign you, <laughs> and if you tank, you might be tanking that entire label. So I'm not saying that that this is or isn't the right answer, but I do understand the frustration of being put under the thumb of some record label and being forced to produce music when, truth be told, how many songs do you think collectively in the next three years, if somebody put you in in a press and was like, Marcus, you have to do this in the next three years, what quality of work do you think you'd put out before you start being like, dude, I'm burned out? Like, my heart's not in this. So, I, I I understand I understand like the long the the long term contract like but my concern with like this whole this whole situation uh, because th- there's a, there's a final statement here in this article <clears throat> that I'll that I'll read and um I'm gonna I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring a band up that is has become like kind of like a swear world in the metal community. But the the, fi- the final the final sentence of this article is more music more often is certainly not something fans will complain about. 
So I'll actually go to a band that does put out albums, and we seem to get like a release from like Five Finger Death Punch. Oh yes, like, every six months, right? <laughs> and I don't know if it's like a timeline. Now, now, granted, they put out like a certain product, but I, I, I'm having a hard time like with. And especially like with the satellite radio, like the um, Beartooth, I feel like is doing this right now. Like Beartooth, every other week has like a new single that's like getting yep. released, and it's getting released like exclusively on Octane, and then it's getting like shoved down your like your your gourd, and it's <laughs> something completely like freaking different than anything Beartooth has ever done. Like you would listen to like one song, it's like you don't even realize it's Beartooth until you see the description. It's like, oh, this is Beartooth. When the fuck did this come out? Yeah, like kind of a thing. And I don't know if I'm into this kind of this kind of culture. It's like, why not put? I don't know. Maybe call me old school. I guess put all of your effort into like one solid, you know, appropriate length album. Right. And when I say appropriate length album, it's like you don't need to produce 21 songs on your album like Hatebreed that are yeah. two two point right. one minute each, and have a weird very little transition in between you don't need to write like a crazy nine song nine minute a piece like epilogue of some like glory but make it a like your creativity just needs to be appropriate so so if you can fill like a five six seven eight song i don't know if i like like the single release culture like release mm. a single in advance of the upcoming collection <laughs> Agreed. Okay, so my counter question then would be, uh, of all the Slipknot albums that are on the shelf right now, mm-hmm. this is gonna be a bad example, but go ahead. Well, I mean, you can think about you can think about any band, truthfully. But go, it, say what you're gonna say. So all these bands have all these shelved albums because somewhere along the production line, along the label, says, "Hey, this isn't good enough. You need to do better." But it's not released to the fans. Like this is my point: is that. The, the entire music, every single musical artist ever is solely based off of fans. Nobody would sign anybody if you didn't have fans. And how are you going to know if this is good music or not if you're not releasing it? See, this is control. Right. This is, this is well, where the... Well, depending on the band. I mean, there's, there's bands for fucking decades that like have like the unreleased... It's like, why was this vault of stuff like just hanging out over here? Like, what is this? What is? It? Oh, the guy's dead now, so now we can now right. we can release it. <laughs> but but that's but. the thing, and think about how much unreleased music gets out there, and then think about. Or okay. is that why is that why it takes these people a year to like actually put out an album because they'll they'll put out 20, 30, 40 songs. I'm I'm telling you right now, putting out an album is is a lot harder than people think it is. Like to have a creative idea and then to be able to build off of that creative idea with the same creative people that you've been working with, especially in a band. So you're talking maybe a three piece at minimum, maybe in Slipknot's case, a nine piece at maximum. So you need three to nine people to all agree on the final product. First of all, then when it's all agreed upon, you need to finish it. Then when it's finished, you need to pitch it to whoever it is you're signed by or whoever, you know, whoever is going to be in charge of paying to record it. Because that's a big thing these days is that when you have a good sound, they're like, oh, you know who we're going to get to produce this? We're going to get so-and-so to produce this. And then you have your garage sound or your demos or whoever, and you go to this producer that the label is hired that's probably $20,000, I don't know, for an album or something to master and produce it. And then so- you have to deal with the producer. So I'm saying there's there's all of these different things that are supposedly checks and balances 
in the music industry, but the issue is that the music industry was built off of the music industry's own standards. Platinum records? Who's ever heard of that term before music before before record labels? What the hell is a platinum record? That's a record that's sold over a million copies. So can but I, now records don't sell anymore. So how do you morph into that? So can I throw out another concern then? Absolutely. All right, so like kind of like the process that we, we described. So let's say and I'm going to I'm going to put this in very blanket and very yep. like basic very, very like vague, very very, out there, like yeah. very even number terms. Yep. So in order for me to put out a 10 a 10 song album, I'm going to spend like a a year of time maybe producing 30 songs. And then we're gonna cherry pick the ten best ones that are gonna actually make it to the album. That's decided by like whoever the case may be. So what 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 happens in this new culture to like all of this unproduced art when all we have to focus on is one tune? But this is the problem. We're gonna lose out on the unproduced art, man, Absolutely. because like these guys aren't gonna have to be forced into like creativity. We're not gonna have some weirdo obscure yep. thing that came out. And I know, I know, we keep bringing up Slipknot. So maybe Slipknot had some like kind of like tri- boom, like it, like kind of like soulflyish, like like little drum shit going on, and yep. like broke into this. We'll never hear that because like we're no longer required to produce that. So go, hey, let's lay this down just for fun. It's like, no, 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 dude, we don't have time for that. We're working on this. Like we we only have to put out like two tracks next week. So we're not going right. to do anything that's not going to get released, and we're never going to play anywhere. Kind of a thing like that. That's the stuff that I'm actually worried about because, especially like for the big artists. I mean, dude, you want them to, dude, spread your wings, man. So here's get the out problem. there and fly. This is what I'm gonna say, and I don't want to cut Anthony off. Anthony, if you have anything to say, by all means, interject. Time now. <laughs> Interjecting. Okay. Then I'm done. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> this is where the label exercises control. So once you sign to a label, they own everything you do in the studio. Everything. Doesn't matter if it's put out there or not. They're the ones that control, hey, this is good, this sucks, rework it. They're the ones that do that. So as soon as you record 30 songs in a year, they're like, yeah, man, it's our job to kind of keep your butt in the fire. So we're going to tell you that, uh, man, only like six of these 30 songs are good. We want more. And then you know what happens? They can sign a B band and they can be like, hey guys, here's a song that we own because we're the record label. You guys work on this song because you guys sound kind of similar. Make it better and make it yours. You know what happens? The people that wrote that song initially, they get like, I don't know, a percentage, a tiny percentage of that song if it ever gets successful. Oh yeah, they made the riff, they made the uh, some of the lyrics, they made the chorus, but these guys finished it. So They show up on our podcast for plagiarism. But I'm saying... <laughs> Man, the labels now control everything. So every single thing you do inside the studio, now the label owns. So now the label can say, hey, I don't care about your fans. I want product. I want product. So think about it from a business perspective. From a business perspective, this is a genius move because this is telling their label, hey, guess what? We're not going to play your album game anymore. What we're going to do is we're going to make the songs that we want to make. And if you don't like them, oh, well, we were only expecting to put out a single anyway. So now instead of... 12 to 15 or, you know, 8 to, let's say, 8 to 14 songs, typical album, yeah? Between eight, Instead of putting out between 8 and 14 songs now, you just put, I don't know, maybe like 3 to 6. You, you can collectively write 3 to 6 songs and the label has to decide what to do with them, but you can put out there, hey, I only want this to be a single. I only want this to be an EP, so if you don't like it and you want to sit on it for years and screw me over... I'm going to let you do that, but I'm only going to give you these six songs as opposed to me giving you 40 songs that you also sit on and that I lose, and I lose my creativity. 
you know how insulting that is as an artist to put your heart and soul into something? Even if the label doesn't like it, for them to be like, ah, no, we're not putting this out there. Bitch, I made that. I made that from scratch with my own two hands. Like... Okay, so, next question. Uh, despite how the industry is, as a fan of music, what do you prefer? Like, would you rather, like, bands just release, like, hey, I put my heart and soul for one day into this one tune? <laughs> Here's the deal. Or, I mean... What, what, what do you want to consume? Do you, would you prefer the, the actual single approach? Would you prefer maybe like an EP length kind of a thing? Or I, do you actually want like groups to actually put in like full albums? That way you can get the B tracks, you can get the deep cuts, you can get... See, I, I agree with, with Marcus on the releasing a single before an album comes out. But I think I would still prefer a full album. Yeah. Because a lot of times an album can have different... What's the word? Um, That's exactly what I just said. It's so the B-sides and the deep have, cuts. So you have, <laughs> yeah, well, you have the one song, and then you're kind of, like, pigeonholed into that one song. Like, that's your sound. That song a lot has of times to sum an up album, the entire album, yeah. Correct. So a lot of times an album, they'll have that one song that is different than the whole album. You know what I mean? So I think with an album, it, it kind of spreads the personality, I guess, a little bit. Or the, yeah, you know, like the range, the range of, of the music. The band, you know what I mean? Plus, you can you have more freedom with it because you know you have your concept albums and stuff like that. Which, you know, if you want a theme to the album, I mean, look at Ice Nine's Kills. I mean, if they just did the one song, you'd be like, cool. Well, okay, so they did one song about a horror movie, whatever. But when you have a whole album that's based off of it, it kind of shows a little more behind it. Plus, you know, if you hear the one song from the band, like a lot of people want to hear more. Right. So now they're gonna have to wait for something. You know what I mean? It's just, I guess that's that's my thoughts. On so, that. oh, it was a thing. Or like, what if the, what if this happens? Like, what if like a really cool band comes up like with a, with like a really good single? It's like, oh man, I could really use more of something like this. Maybe they did like a little bit of something extra. They added like a little something something to like this song. It's like, oh, I could really get into like this. It's like, oh well, we only did that one single, guys. Like, we're not coming back to this right process. So this is. Oh, and by the way, you'll never hear. It's You're like, just going to play the one song? Well, this is the issue of the music industry. I'll give you a perfect example right now. The band is called Egypt Central, and the song is called White Rabbit. You ever heard it? I've heard a lot I of did. Egypt Central. I like Egypt Central. White Rabbit. You're familiar with it? Yeah. You're familiar with I the concept? I know most of the that, that was yeah. probably their first big single. That was their first big single. Why? Because it has Alice in Wonderland. It's based off of Alice in Wonderland. So now, as a producer... Yeah. I come to you, if you're Egypt Central, and I say, hey, let's do Snow White next. They didn't do that, though. They did Citizen Radio. Right. Because they were like, no, we don't want to do that. We don't want to, like, this, uh, like, this is the one thing that we were passionate about that we released a song about, and, like, it meshed well. That doesn't mean that, uh, what, what is it? It doesn't mean correlation is causation. That's a classic saying. The correlation between these two things being successful does not mean that this is going to cause us to be successful down the road with something else. Hey, funny story. They released a single this year. <laughs> I'm sure they did. But this is the issue. I'm telling you right now, Egypt Central had their best music when they were un when they were unknown. Uh, you Make Me Sick. I like, I like their first it album. It's really awesome. Good. Uh, you Make Me Sick. And what was the other one? There was another one. Their, their self-title is pretty good. Uh, Over and Under. Over and Under was super good, too. Over and Under is really good, too. I couldn't think of it. I haven't heard that song in a while. But if you 
so think about it from a business perspective. Like all of these labels, they're all businesses. It's what they are. Oh, they released two singles this year. I'm sorry, Raise the Gates and Dead Machine. <laughs> but after, like all these people think, once you get signed, you make it. You don't. You make it to the next level of homework. Because now you're guaranteed homework for the rest of the time you're signed. Like this is your job now. Like it goes from being a passion to what you're showing your creative side about to hey, this is a full fledged job. I'm going to sign you to this, but only on the condition that you do this for me. So, like, one of my one of my classic ones, and I know it's one of my favorite bands and whatever, but I talk about them because their, their, their albums are so different. When you talk about Linkin Park, the first two albums are pretty much the same. They get a little bit more electronic, a little bit more of an industrial sound in Meteora, but Hybrid Theory and Meteora are the two closest albums together out of their entire album releases right they have what five six albums six albums i think uh maybe. i think i think it's five it might be five whatever anyway somewhere in that ballpark uh hybrid theory and meteora crushed it like knocked it out of the park they killed it minutes to midnight comes out with mixed reviews and why because they have like eight slow songs and quiet songs and only like four rock songs but According to their deal, all they had to do was put out 12 tracks for another album. <laughs> so if they're getting creative, they're like, oh, okay, let's change it up. But but fans don't like it when you change it up, so they got mixed reviews. So now the label's like, oh, we don't know. We don't know what we're going to do with you now because we have you on for two more albums. So they said, oh, you know what? We're going to tap back into some certain stuff. They went back and forth. My point is that bands will... Bands will try to lean toward whatever their fans say, like regardless of, of whether or not they want to admit it, they want to make their fans happy. And if there's a hit song, like think about how many people get so frustrated with feeling like a monkey playing for people. Like, oh, I'm not a monkey. This is my art. But according to the record labels and according to how they built the whole, the entire industry, you absolutely are a monkey. You're playing for however they want you to play. And I think about all these bands. I think about uh, Cold, the band Cold, right? Their number... What's the biggest Cold song you've ever heard in your life? The most, the most popular one. Oh, what's it called? Um, Stupid Girl. No. Yes. That's not the one I'm thinking of. Survey says, Anthony? Unless I'm thinking of the wrong band. Bananas. <laughs> Stupid Girl got uh, the majority of their success for a single. Yeah, that was a big one. All of their albums. It got huge, right? They won't play that show. They won't play that song live anymore. You know why? They didn't write it. For the sake of it. Uh, the dude from uh, it wasn't like Fall Out Boy or something, but some some guy from another band oh, wrote girl. that song and gave it to them, and they're like, "Oh, we need to add another song because the label said we need to." They added that song. That's the song the label picked up. They're like, this is your best work ever. They're like, it's not even our work. <laughs> this wasn't even us. Look at, uh, look at, look at Johnny Cash with uh, the, the song Hurt. Exactly. That was, ori that was originally uh, Trent Reznor. Yeah, but he was like, this is too dark for me. I don't want this. And Johnny Cash was like, I'll take it. And there you go. Right. I think about uh, that country song, What Hurts the Most. Uh, what's his name? I forget the original. Aaron Lewis goes on a big tangent about that song. But Rascal Flatts um, picked it up it? because yeah, Rascal Flatts is the one, yeah. Yeah, Rascal Flatts picked it up because the label didn't want the original guy who wrote it to sing it. 
So now Rascal Flatts gets all this notoriety, and they blew up from that song. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. now they could put out poop on a record and Life somebody would highway, buy it. Which is also a cover, mind you. Right. So there are certain bands that make it because they're doing covers. Five Finger Death Punch, Lenny Kravitz, Rascal Flatts. Who's that? Uh, you can think of all these different genres and different pop. Here's the other thing that, that trips me out about musicians, right? The majority of musicians are held to one genre. Like, if somebody does, like, a cross-genre thing, everybody automatically is like, <gasps> how dare you? A lot of people don't know right. this. Garth Brooks put out a rock album under a fake name. You know that? Yeah, those are the two that nobody I mean, Christopher that. Lee put out a metal album. That's different. But that's what I'm saying. Like, if you look at how many, how many musical artists do you know personally or even, I don't know, not personally, you follow them professionally – that only stick to one genre of music. Because when you get signed to a label, all they care about is that kind of music. That's what I'm saying. Like, the industry is made by these labels who put us all in boxes. They put all of these different musical genres, all these different types. They're the ones that decide the test, right? If we were in school and music labels decided what all the tests were built around, then this is what it would be. Oh, you need to make X, Y, and Z amount of albums. You need to sell at least this much merchandise and you need to have at least this much at your show uh you need to be this successful you need to have this look you need to have and they just box and box and box and box and box and and it's like there's no room for creativity anymore i don't think albums are the right answer for everybody i don't think singles are the right answer for everybody i don't think eps are the right answer for everybody i think that music cannot be contained if you're a musician and you have that that musical creativity, and it comes to you, and it hits you like a ton of bricks, then put it out there. I don't care if it's country, rap, metal, rock, jazz, bluegrass. I don't care. If there's something that moves you, I want to hear it. And if it's not my kind of genre, then I'll tune out. I'll, I'll ignore it because that's what we do. That's what we do as listeners. So if there's bands that want to kind of take their control a little bit back from the labels and from these people that are raking in all this crazy money on the backs of the people that bring it in there, more power to them, man. If they've, if they've found a loophole to maximize their progress and their their money flow at the expense of the label, more power to you. Because the labels have been ripping people off for the longest time. Think about Spotify. Think about everything that uh, all these streaming platforms have ripped away from artists and the percentages that artists get based on these platforms making their own rules. This is what happens. And this is what artists kind of do to somewhat fight back against these things that have been established. And that's what I think this is. That's what I think we're seeing. I think we're seeing people testing the waters, saying, hey, we're not going to do this. We're not going to play your, your album game. We're going to put out an EP or we're going to put out singles, and you're going to deal with it. Because what are they going to do? They're going to drop them? Well, from a business, a business perspective... They're going to lose their investment. They just invested how much in marketing, how much in advertising for this band, and now they're not going to come through. Well, something's better than nothing. I guess a single is better than an album because they're not going to give us an album. So I feel like this is how these artists and these bands kind of take a little bit back. They take a little more ground back. And truthfully, this is kind of exposing how unnecessary labels are. I'm not saying everybody can make it on their own. I'm not saying all labels are awful. 
I'm just saying that this is the balance of this current industry right now. People are seeing the shift and they're morphing to it as bands and as artists in these labels have continuously been behind the eight ball, not being able to keep up with technology for whatever reason. They're dead set in their ways. And now these people are kind of fighting back and taking more back from the pie for themselves. And I don't, I'm not sorry about it. If a band can do it and be successful, great. If they do it and they fall flat on their face, well, that's on them. Truthfully, I don't care if you put out an album. I don't care if you put out an EP. I don't care if you put out a single. If your heart and soul is in your music and you can, for the majority of it, maintain the same amount of fans you've had, more power to you. You do whatever it takes to put out your product. And if you feel like you're under the thumb of your label and you don't want to put out a full album, don't. Don't. Jared Leto went to court. He had the balls to do it. Like, I feel like that was like the breakthrough for the industry. And I feel like we're just at the cusp. We're just at the very beginning of this kind of this shift again in the market. Because it's going to get to a point where artists are going to be like, why do I need a label? I can just... I could talk to these producers myself and pay them. I could go to these recording studios myself and do this. I could do all of these things by myself. Why do I need a label? What good do labels do anymore? We, we personally have access to the exact same things that the labels do. The labels just know how to network. That's all it is. There was so it's kind of funny. Um, is, um, to, to cut in here, uh, I know there's a few bands that have recently gone just on the solo stuff. Um, what is it? Uh, I know Psycho Stick, they did everything, their last album, just on their own, no label. Yeah. Um, I just saw uh, Kid Rock posted that he's going label-less, just him, nothing. Yep. So I feel like it's, it's, I feel like we're going to start moving that direction. That's what I'm saying. This the is the new trend. labels are kind of going to be not as needed, you know what I mean? Well, if you think about it, though, like, truthfully, they're not they they made the industry what it is today it's because of labels that it is the way it is like we would not think about albums and platinum records and all these awards and accolades if it weren't for the industry making them the industry made it this way like right. we're playing by the industry's rules right now and now the the people of the industry that work in the industry are like you know what we're gonna take a little bit back we're gonna take some of this pie back with us because we're the ones putting in all the work and I don't, I don't short them for that. Good for them. Truthfully, like, uh, more power to them. There was a rapper, uh, I can't think of his name right now. He was actually from Maine. Little Jim. No, he was a rapper from Maine. Uh, oh, from Maine? Yeah. Stephen King? He got, no, he got signed, and he, uh, he got signed to a label, and he said how, how crazy, like, cattle farm it is. Because they just get all of these like local artists that are successful and they pull them all together in a room. And they're like, hey, make a song. All six of you random people together, just make a song. And so they did. And they'd make all these things. And he was talking about how he was, he was in the room, uh, in the same room as uh, Owl City. You remember that, that, that song Fireflies or whatever? I try not to. Yeah, me neither. But it was a pop song that like, got a big hit. He was like, these labels yep. don't care about your first hit. They care about the follow-up. They care about your mm -hmm. next hit. All they care about is the next product. And it's just a factory. It's like that. Like, they don't care. They chew you up and spit you out. They don't care about you. 
These labels do not care about these people. The majority of them. I'm not speaking for everybody. I've never been signed to a label, so I don't know. However, when it comes to these things, you see how dehumanizing it is. You wonder why there's so much drugs and alcohol in the music scene? It's because they can't cope with the fact that they got to be a part of the machine. Like, I, I'm not making excuses for anybody. I'm just saying this is what this is what the context of the music industry is today. And I think that's a huge issue. I think that these people taking this stuff back and kind of making it their own or, or doing whatever they want to do to fill their, their own creative juices and make sure it's, it's going steady for them, good. Keep these labels in check. Let them know that they do not have a, a monopoly anymore. Like, we understand how they make money now. Like, why would I sign you to this if I can make my own merch? This is what this rapper said. Oh, I need to find out his name. Uh, it was, uh, he had a song called I'm Awesome. And he was a main rapper. I can't remember his name. It was like, uh, it was, some, it was a one word. It was something simple. I can't remember it. Um, but he got, he got notorious because this song, I'm Awesome, it's clearly a joke song about how he's not awesome. He's talking about like living in his mom's basement. And <laughs> he's other not crap. awesome. Yeah. But that's what he blew up for. And he got signed. And then he said how he was with this. He got signed to the label. He was there for eight months working every day on all these songs. And they scrapped everything. They didn't care about him. He's like, they signed me. They gave me $30,000. I'd never seen that much money before in my life. So obviously I took it. And then they took all of my music. And then they just cut me. So they own everything that Listen. I gave them. I can't remember his name. I gotta look it up. Well, Unless he got thirty grand out of it. Well, yes. yeah, but but he got screwed. He lost his. Uh, he said he never seen that much money before. So listen, you gotta. Yes, but the other thing that he said, which is very important, and this is what I think independent artists should listen to, is he said, "You know what? I have ten thousand loyal supporters, like that buy my music now." Um, here it is. What's his name? Ah, uh, it's loading. Spose. His name is Spose. So he made this song. It blew up. And he did this. Uh... Oh, Lord. Macklemore, really? So he signed a label. They gave him $30,000. And he was there for eight months. And they didn't like anything he put out. So they cut him. So now, you know, he has the 30 grand, but he's back to living in Maine. And one of the things he said was that. You know, now I have 10,000, like, loyal supporters. He's like, I can put my own stuff out now on iTunes because I got the notoriety from, from them, thankfully. He's like, I have my own YouTube channel. I have all my own stuff, all my own merchandise. He's like, I would rather put out an album every year or two and have the 10,000 people that like my stuff buy it from me <clears throat> personally instead of going through a label because now... He actually makes money on his own from those 10,000 loyal people instead of being surrounded right. by millions of people who are only making money for the record label. And I feel mm -hmm. like that was the start of the shift because he kind of tapped into something that everybody was kind of afraid to touch. And he said, like, no, I'm better off now. I prefer it this way. And I feel like people are kind of getting more hip to that. I'm going to shut up now because I've been talking for like an hour. <laughs> Look, you told me to rant, so I ranted. That was it. Thanks, buddy. You did good. And I didn't need any notes, huh? How about that? It's all from the heart, kids. It's all from your palm. Well, the only thing in my palm is beer, so. Definitely, a different, definitely a different world.
I'm still old school. I like I like having a band put out like an album. They support that album for like a year. Like it's just really good. Like everything that they do on that album is just like so good. They can just like live off of it. Kind of like having like a 20 year anniversary well, like with like Wisconsin Death Trip for like Static X. Well, a lot of times you you build your tour off of your album too. Right. Well, you, would, you would think. Now we're gonna build our tour off I mean, of our single. Well, but but <laughs> it's shifted now because. So before, right, like I said, in the 80s and the 90s, people would buy an entire album. They'd buy an entire CD. Nobody knew which was the favorite songs of all their listeners because right. it wasn't connected. He did. It would get released on the radio if it made, if it made okay, it Okay, but that would be like, oh, this is like the most catchy, or maybe, but maybe that's not the favorite. Like, we have no idea. Well, maybe we do now because of iTunes and Spotify. Like, I would be interested to see which songs were the most popular and had the most downloads and the most sales and everything and, and did the best out of their entire albums now because that would tell you what people actually liked versus what the label thought was good and pushed and what the radio stations pushed. So, um, so it's funny because I always brought this up, um, the Smash Mouth song, uh, Walking on the Sun. That was on the radio. like That was it. That was the only song... Buy them right. on the radio at the time. It's about an acid But that trip, whole album is so much different than that actual song. And that whole album is so much better than that actual song. And that song's actually garbage compared to the rest of the album. But that's the song they picked. That's the one that they took. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's my point. Is that labels truthfully have... Uh, I'm not going to say no knowledge. I'm going to say they have very skewed knowledge on what musical groups fans want to hear because all they care about is making money and when you look at it from the business aspect it makes sense but when you look at it from the creative aspect it doesn't whatsoever think about that uh breaking benjamin song rain they just threw that on that album like that's not a rock or metal song by any means or ladybug at all that's a horrible song but rain actually was successful on its own so, like, where's the disconnect? And I feel like this is where people are finding it. And people are finding out, like, hey, maybe we can get away with more than the label says we can. Maybe we can be successful without having to fit inside all of these boxes, without having to be painted into a corner by the people that own us. Maybe we don't need to be owned anymore. That's truthfully what it's becoming. And that's what labels are doing, is they're owning people. Right. They literally own your life. Think about all the people that sign away their publishing rights. That means anything anything Marcus does, regardless of, uh, regardless of whether or not it's with his band, we get a percentage of that. Oh, you want to do a podcast? Oh, you want to do a Tide Pod commercial? Oh, you want to do a Dunkin' Donuts commercial? Oh, you hung out with Gronk and it got 10,000 views on Instagram? Yeah, we get, we get a percentage of all of that. Sweet, I get to hang out with Gronk. <laughs> <laughs> I got to party and... I don't know Sing if I about weird I stuff. drink a lot, but I don't know if I can keep up. And with use that. my my trophy as a you know batting instrument. <laughs> I just think very I mean, interesting. I, I was we were able to get Dave the rant. See, that's what you asked for. That's what you got. It's not wrong. I say I get what I paid for, but I didn't pay anything. But did I did I not have talking points? Did I like was I totally pulling this out of my butt? Like 
I, I gave you, I gave you we specific. Listen, guys, I want you to play this episode back, and I want you to listen to every single specific instance I gave you and look it up. And maybe my opinion's crap. Maybe I'm like uh, spaz, right? Maybe I'm the idiot of the group here. But uh, I don't think that I am because I've done a lot of research on this topic. Specifically, and truthfully, all I care about as a consumer is the product. That's it. If you put out a good product, I'm going to buy it. But whether or not I think it's good is all I care about. I don't care if you think it's good. I don't care if Anthony think it's, thinks it's good. All I care about is whether or not I think it's good. I don't know why you're making this personal. Because music is personal. Yeah, it was directed directly at me. Yeah, it was totally directed there. at me. I saw him point right at you. It's not, yeah, not even right there. He saw, he saw him. You. He saw me point you. right at him. <laughs> hey, buddy. Oh, he didn't, he didn't see me wave. Yeah. I don't think... <laughs> I don't think the music industry is about albums. I'll say that. I think to contain... Well, I, fear for, I, I personally fear for our future, but that's okay. I mean, I, I fear for our future every day. <laughs> Not just in the music respect, but like all the time. But if you, if you follow how the market has shifted and how the whole industry has shifted, like it kind of makes sense. It makes sense that people are kind of fighting back now and like, hey, we're not going to conform to your idea of success. Because there's tons of different ideas. Think about how many viral videos there are on the internet right now. My one-year-old, my one-year-old right now can quote a, a ridiculously viral video that's stupid. But she says it all the time. All the time. Like, think about how connected we are as people now in today's day and age. And how quickly it is, how quickly it is to catch fire and become viral on the internet. And immediately... When a, but yeah, well, when a band becomes viral, that's when labels come out of the wood. Oh, we want to sign you. We're going to. And that's when they start competing. Oh, we'll offer you $70,000 and a three album deal for this many years. Oh, we're going to offer you. And it's like, well, now you got to pick. Like, who are you going to sell your soul to? That's what James Hetfield talked about for the longest time. He's like, yeah, I sold my soul and then I bought all the rights to my music back. But it took me 30 years in the industry. The industry that was created by the industry. Like, <laughs> it sucks. Right. Like, these artists shouldn't have to worry about their music being shelved because some, some chubby, greasy guy doesn't like their sound that day. Like, it, it's not fair. But I'm always going to look at it from the artist's perspective, so I'm probably skewed. Record labels, love you. Other and, an artists, love you too. Any um, final thoughts, Mr. Anthony? I have one more. Uh, he had a shout out. I want to end. do. Oh yes, yes, the shout out. Let's do the shout out. So, uh, for any of you horror fans out there, um, a buddy of mine, uh, Mike Petro, which he actually got us the uh, Wash Brain immediately, guys, and he's had a few, uh, I guess, shout outs as well because he's brought up a few topics and whatnot. <laughs> But uh, he has just started a podcast with his buddy, Jeremy. It is called Fans of the Dead. It is on Spotify, iTunes, a whole nine yards. And essentially, they um, talk about horror films and pretty much dissect them, the whole nine yards, different backstories. Um, they have nice. one episode out at the moment. It is The Return of the Living Dead. Um, they do all their research. They're very thorough. They go through all the little parts. I mean, they, they know what they're talking about. So uh, if you do, check them out. You know, give them a like. Send them nudes. Whatever you want. 
<laughs> I'm glad you said that. Now I can. <laughs> oh, wait, they have to be mine? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't matter. They when don't know when people ask to trade nudes, I'm always like, yeah, I'll give you two Danny DeVitos for one Charlie Theron. <laughs> <laughs> That seems no? fair. That seems like a fair one. That's not a fair trade? Yeah, I uh, check them out. Look them up. Know. Send them stuff. Be their friend. Follow them. And whatnot. Like it. Share it. You know, all those good things that, like, for us, uh, uh, non... Uh, let me rephrase that. Us local. Us local acts. <laughs> rely on. <laughs> kind of a thing. But. Yeah. Yeah, that's much. that's definitely cool. Like, who doesn't like horror movies? Exactly. I mean, we'd probably be horror and true crime if it wasn't for beer and metal. <laughs> Pretty much. Not enough true crime podcast podcasts out there. No, there's not. No, 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 no competition no. whatsoever. Welcome to heavy metal over no, a six none. pack true crime. <laughs> I told them. Um, Maybe we'll do a, a collab with them when they get a little more popular. Oh, we can totally when they get some more episodes out we, there. We can totally collab. Well, we could clearly talk about some of the songs that were either featured on or took part in horror films. Some metal then, songs. Or we some discuss metal music other or... things as well. That's true. Or we could talk about all we the people. We could just talk like human beings. All the people that got thrashed by metal <laughs> objects. That's metal. There we go. All right, Anthony, sir. Thank you for joining us from the uh, from the Great Beyond. <laughs> the Great course, Beyond. Anytime. Thanks for dying. Uh, <laughs> the Great Beyond. You're oh welcome. I can only do this trick once, though. <laughs> yeah, God's, God's got a very strict policy on video chatting. <laughs> this is a one-shot deal. That's it. It's just Game like over. Facebook. You can only have one, and everybody has to give you the RIP wishes there. It can't be any on any other platform. All right, interesting shit. We love interaction, <laughs> so I mean, by all means, like uh, comment below in the comment section if you're following along on YouTube. Um, email us if you want to uh, give us a big old long old shout out on like the thoughts. Uh, I mean, this is the uh, single versus EP versus album discussion. So, among other things, a lot of discussion points. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know if people... If people we will interact with you if you actually respond to us. So, I mean, that's fine. Even if you say, hey, you, you guys are stupid... MFs and I think you, you should suck. die horrible deaths. You, we'll interact with that too. We'll say like, "Thanks, bro." Uh, thank you. One, thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for listening. Uh, two, thanks for the Danny DeVito trades. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Danny. No offense. All right, go follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, email us hmoa six p a c k at uh, gmail gmail dot com. Uh, go follow the YouTube channel. That's uh, that's the that's. Probably the big one, I guess. The now, bees knees right yeah, now. Yeah, we, we just need some subscribers, man. Like, go subscribe. Like, and watch some shit. You know, do that Subscribe too. and hit the notification bell, because we are uploading every week. Thank you. Wouldn't say that yet, but close. <laughs> close <laughs> enough. <laughs> we will be. According to your tablet. Ish. M monthlish. Monthlish. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there. All right. We're getting there. We got probably more segments to do in the background, but other than that, for this, we are done. Goodbye. See you. That is the end of this episode. Thank you for tuning in to another exciting episode of Heavy Metal Over a Sick Pack Podcast. Marcus, Dave, and Anthony signing off. Check out the podcast at hmoa6pack.automatic.net. Email. 
HMOA6 P-A-C-K at gmail.com. Like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.